everybody. Welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast with me, James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever or wherever you tune into today's podcast from. Uh, I'm just back from holiday, so uh, excuse me if I'm rambling. I was as late in the house last night and setting up the podcast studio first thing this morning to get rolling on today's uh, episode. So uh, if I sound like I'm falling over my words, it I probably am, um, is the brutal truth of it. Um, and uh, before we get into today's podcast, we're recording this uh, on Monday the 18th of July. And uh, I'm not sure when this particular episode is going to go out, probably in the next week or couple of weeks. Um, but it's, uh, there are weather warnings out today um, and tomorrow for extreme temperatures. And uh, obviously it's that time of year where there are so many outdoor events taking place, um, so many teams of people working outdoors. And uh, whenever you listen to this, if, if you're working today and tomorrow and this week whilst we've got those temperatures stay safe everybody we hope everything has, has gone smoothly and uh, look after yourselves whilst you are out there um and so let's get on with today's episode um the subject of sustainability is one that we've spoken about often on this podcast, uh, both in recent weeks, months, and over the last two or three years. Certainly pre-pandemic, we were having a lot of sustainability chats. Um, and our guest today is somebody who can offer um, some insight into some learnings that they've developed, uh, particularly in the last year or so, as all will become apparent when we find out about them. Our guest today is Dawn Lauder. Dawn is the head of international conferences at the Scottish Event Campus, the early this year, you may remember, hosted the COP26 International Summit. Dawn has worked in the international association market for 14 years, working with numerous European and international associations to bring their meetings to the SEC. Dawn led the bid team securing COP26 for the venue and worked with the UNFCCC and UK government through to the delivery of the summit. COP26 was one of the most important events in humanity's battle against climate change. However, during the event, new models and ideas were also discovered for how the event's industry itself can become more sustainable. And to talk about some of those key learnings and five, I suppose, key principles, you may say, um, today uh, is Dawn Lauder. Dawn joins us from home, uh, I, I presume, up in uh, up in Scotland. Dawn, good morning. Yeah, Welcome to the podcast. Morning. Thank you very much. Yep, yeah, welcome to a sunny day in Glasgow. Although you wouldn't know it looking at my background, but uh, well, <laughs> the we're, sun we're all is being shining. We're all being told to stay indoors. It's, it's bizarre, isn't it? We wait for good weather to come along, and then when I turned on the weather on the news last night, uh, the weathermen are saying stay indoors, everybody. Close your windows. Mm -hmm. Keep keep that your cool air. Yeah, blinds. So we're all shutting. We wait for the sunny weather to come along, and then all lock ourselves in and close the blinds. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a it's a definite climate change thing <laughs> topical is. for today. It it is at very apropos. Um, so yeah, as I said at, at, at the the intro, uh, and, and maybe a slightly longer intro than than some people are used to who listen to the podcast, but important I think to set some context about uh, what you're here to talk about today. Um, COP twenty six was was internationally covered within the mainstream media on social media it was gigantic um mm -hmm. before we get into uh, you know some of these these principles and i think we're going to run through five you know key principles that, that you would like to sort of put across on, the, on today's podcast um it, from a prestige point of view how proud of you uh, as a venue were you to be able to to secure that and to have sort of received that international coverage that that cop 26 received uh, it's I don't know that I can accurately describe it, if I'm honest. Um, sure. It was, it was a really tense 
um, bid process. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, the stakes were, were very high. Mm -hmm. We went to COP25 in Madrid knowing that we were the UK government's preferred venue and city. Mm -hmm. And that was a great insight, getting to go to Madrid and, and meet the UNFCCC team. But and things picked up a pace quite quickly after that, and then there was and then there was COVID, which obviously affected everybody and affected sure, them yeah, too. Yeah. So um, the kind of the silver lining to the cloud for me was that we got to work on COP for an extra year because the people who we worked with on that event were they were they were just amazing. The team from yeah. the UK government, from um, the production company Identity, from UNFCCC, our team in the venue, there was just this this real sense of team and and camaraderie, and that was so. I mean, that just carried through the whole event, um, mm. and they. I mean, the coverage you mentioned was kind of off the charts. It really was. And what yeah. was really nice, you know, people talk about the events industry being a friendly industry, and I, I think it is. And in the run-up to COP and that kind of pre-coverage in the first few days, we got messages from venue pals across the world going, good luck, oh, this looks amazing, can't believe you're doing this, this is phenomenal. Just, And that felt lovely too, knowing that your international peer set were all rooting for you um and then afterwards it's just this big anti-climax almost because then i was just <laughs> really missing that team that i was talking about and that camaraderie that sense of purpose um i think having a strong sense of purpose through the pandemic probably also helped my um corona coaster if you like um because what was yeah it was something really to focus on so it was it hands down it's a career highlight and for for all the best reasons you've already given me two more podcast topics that, that we could potentially talk about in advance which is first of all from a production point and i'm, I'm not going to dive into them today because we'll, we could be here for hours but from a production point of view the fact that you had that delay because of covid mm -hmm. i'm guessing straight away there were there were production elements that you wouldn't have had pre-pandemic that you did have post-pandemic. I'm not even talking about social distancing and sanitization. I'm talking about people joining in on video links rather than flying there and all that stuff that presumably happened, you know, some of it as a result of what we learned during the pandemic and how we had to meet during the pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. And the other one there, given what you said about that, that sort of almost anticlimactic sort of crash that a lot of people experience post mm -hmm. a really major event where they've worked for months and years on in the run-up to it that it gets delivered the next day everything gets taken out of the venue and the next day you go and you've got an empty venue and you're back to day to day well, again fairness, that's, like, that's a is, whole other subject isn't it it is it is we did have we did have like a uh just over a month of breakdown before right. the last 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 bits of cop when um but yeah it did did yeah. feel a bit weird starting back at work in January after the Christmas holidays and look <laughs> off on the horizon. <laughs> I bet it did. Now, as I said, a, a whole other discussion. But what what we want to talk about today, and 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 what we want to give you the, the sort of the opportunity to, to talk about are some of these principles, because inevitably through the the delivery of this event, you will have you will have learned and taken away things through your experiences that 
the events industry can learn from and, and that yeah. as an industry we can we can really pick up on and um i know that you boiled it down for, for a, a little campfire session at imex um a little while ago into sort of five discussion points principles whatever we might like to call them and that uh, today we're going to run through those uh, those five so um why don't we kick things off why don't, why don't i open it up to you with with number one yeah sure i mean i think that the the thought process for that session at IMAX came from um i guess just having a, a unique insight into the event and across the multiple teams and organizations who are working on it mm. and um some of the bigger legacy pieces from COP are really clear and um, I felt like, and you've alluded to it, that there were these sort of key takeaways, really tangible pieces of knowledge and information that another event organiser could pick up and use and apply to their own event with the goal of improving the sustainability of their own event. Mm. Um, it, you know, the scale of COP was was different. Um, we had 197,000 square meters of event space on the campus, wow. which is the equivalent to, I'm told, 28 football pitches. Jeez. To put that in context. So it was, you know, it was big. We all know it was 38,000 um, attendees over the, the summit period. Um, so there were challenges at the outset around how, and, and they weren't just the SEC's challenges, they were they were everybody's the event organizers' challenges. How do you take something that's this big mm. and um and deliver it in the most sustainable way? Um the one of the first things that COP did, and it's probably it's my number one takeaway, is they set some guiding principles for their event at the outset. They did this right at the beginning, mm. and it gave them their North Star, if you like when they were then working through the decision-making process and, and planning for the event, they had these guiding principles that they could go back to. Um, so for example, COPS governing, they call them governing principles, guiding principles. COPS guiding principles were to reduce the environmental and social impact, mm -hmm. provide an inclusive and accessible setting for all, encourage healthy living, ensure a safe and secure atmosphere, encourage more sustainable behavior, promote the use of responsible sources and resources throughout the supply chain and leave a positive legacy. So that was their, they captured that as their principles at the beginning. Mm. And then they used those principles to help them make decisions. So for example, they needed to lay 15,000 square meters of carpet Right. Temporary carpet. And sure. I think carpet is a bit of a um it's a bit of thorn. It's a thorn in everybody's side. In it it is. You ask anybody in the events industry that the cut carpet is the thorn. It, yeah. it, you know, it, it go it goes down last, it comes up first, it gets you know dealt with in how it, it can go straight in the bin. You know, we, we've heard yeah. all all sorts of different stories, but yes, it is a thorn. So what um what COP26 did, and I'm just going to use COP26 as the, the the collective name of everybody who was involved in those decisions because there were sure. multiple parties. But what COP26 did is they um, they worked with an organisation called Spruce Carpets, and okay. their goal is to make a house a home. Um, that's their kind of that's their governing principle. Um, and so 
what COP26 did is they chose a slightly higher grade carpet, right. um, which did cost a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And they also chose light gray as a color, not their brand colors, not the blue and the green that you see on the COP26 uh, logo um, and, uh, you know, their design palette. They went with the pale gray. And what happened was then when those carpets were lifted, they went into 1800 homes across Glasgow and wow. made houses homes. Wow. That's a what, what brilliant thing to do. All got reused. Mm hmm. So that is where having that guiding principle at the outset around um, managing resource and sourcing sustainable materials and thinking about the life cycle of products enabled them to make a decision that meant that that carpet would be fully repurposed post-event. Post yeah. They worked with um, IKEA. So IKEA was one of their partners in the event. Um, and there was a lot of furniture given by ikea to cop and again being careful about what they chose what it looked like all of that there was six thousand pieces of furniture was then donated to community groups in the third sector across glasgow so that was also then taking their leaving a positive legacy mm -hmm. um principle as well yeah um another example of that managing your resources and having or having guiding principles to help you make decisions. There's a, an organization in Glasgow called uh, Glasgow Wood Recycling. They do two things. They, they divert waste from landfill and they provide um, employment or volunteer options to people um, who are either unemployed or struggling with social inclusion. They make a lot of indoor and outdoor furniture um, right. from wood and they sell it. So they, from COP, they receive 51 pallets worth of wood. Wow. So again, COP were like, okay, this is what we're doing. We know we're going to have wood. Where is it going to go afterwards? How do we manage this? How do we ensure that it goes to a place um, where it will be well used? And actually, there were some lovely big planters. If anybody's seen pictures of the SEC's concourse during COP26, there were huge wooden planters there. Right, um, okay. And some, some smaller ones around campus. Um, and they all came from Glasgow Wood Recycling. So they were doing the full circle there. Mm. And, and, and just just to touch on something, if I may, is that um, mm. I suppose if you can call it this, the luxury that 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 COP had as as an event is is its scale, mm. its reputation, the media coverage that's carried with it. Mm which allows it to work with names like ikea which allows it to to do things like donating its carpet on because when you make those connections as a as a you know as an event like cop people are going to sit up and listen straight away and obviously mm -hmm. not everyone listening to this is is maybe going to be in the luxurious position of having ikea as a partner or being able to mm -hmm. make those sort of connections but i suppose what we're talking about today is is it's all about principles isn't it it's all mm -hmm. about you know okay you might not be able to rep replicate that exactly but if you follow some of these principles that that the that cop themselves set out into how their decision making process would be would be conducted is that there an awful lot can be translated down can't it into the medium and smaller sized events absolutely and i think that's where it's good to learn the lessons from cop because because there are takeaways that other event organizers can use and you know maybe um cop definitely had the luxury of being cop 26 and having ikea donate or however that Mm. was arranged 6,000 pieces of furniture. 
But you don't need to be COP26 to work with Spruce Carpets or to work with an organization in the third sector in your town or the city where your event yeah. is being held to yeah. find a way to reuse materials from your event. What you need is to have that desire and that fire in your belly at the outset to go, I'm not going to put this carpet in the bin uh, or I'm just not going to carpet is number sure. one. Yeah. Or yeah. if we are going to carpet, I'm not going to put it in the bin. I'm going to find a home for it. What, what decisions do I need to make to enable that to happen? I'm not going to see I'm, you know, I'm going to find a home for waste wood, Glasgow Wood Recycling. Granted, that's a local organisation. I'm confident it's not unique. I'm confident it's replicated across the UK. Absolutely, um, yeah. So There's loads of furniture manufacturers. I mean, I, I know somebody local to me, and I'm sure most people will have seen, you know, reclaimed wood furniture now and fabulous bits, bits of furniture and stuff that could mm -hmm. be made for your garden out of, uh, you know, pallets and old old timber wood, you know, anything that, that, that's floating about. So you're right, it, it doesn't... Just because we're talking about it on the scale that COP did, it doesn't mean that organisers in their low, in their you know wherever they're based can't can't follow similar similar actions. Mm -hmm. And actually, you're picking up on one of my 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 fourth key takeaway. So you're <laughs> <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> um, but no, the point. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's having, but having that as an event organiser at the outset, making a commitment to yourself and to your event to deliver it in the most sustainable way mm. and that also includes what you know covers what happens with all of the waste mm. um the second key point for me and a, a big learning um through cop both from an sec and a, a cop perspective is to work with some professionals I've, on my notes i've written down seek professional support and i don't mean therapy <laughs> <laughs> but if I have learned whole other anything, podcast yeah whole other podcast um that's back to that anti-climax once it's all over <laughs> um if I've learned anything about this topic through the last 24 months it's that it's really technical it's highly scientific um and I am not an expert in it just to to be clear about that but there are some real experts out there so as a business sec appointed an environmental and waste manager um somebody who i think is just absolutely phenomenal her knowledge is never ending and um she has the technical knowledge to make a difference and she specializes in large um large sites um, around sustainability so prior to working right. for the sec she worked for a huge shopping mall right um and and then also in terms of that getting professional help um a consultant we worked we worked with arab as a venue and um cop 26 also appointed arab as their sustainability consultant so as an event organizer you don't have to know it all yourself you don't need to have all the answers um there are there are consultants there are organizations that you can go to for some support and yes that would that would be an investment up front um to get that knowledge but i think you know sustainability for me also means longevity so it's ensuring the longevity of an event and making it a sustainable business model which means making it environmentally sustainable mm -hmm. so if you can make that investment and get some professional support even if it's just on key areas of your event delivery um don't don't 
don't feel like you have to do it alone. Yeah, and, and and there are always, you know, without sort of sounding too ruthless about it, there are always commercial avenues that can be opened up by taking certain approaches to, to events. You know, if 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 you're if an event is is looking to to bring in you know professionals to help with this particular aspect, you know, mm -hmm. why not consider monetizing it? You know, if it's if it's a conference, if it's a trade show, whatever it may be, you know, what why not look to have a sponsor, a sustainability sponsor? You know, is there a company that, sure. that has a similar you know a, a parallel interest? You know, that, that that wants to be shown to be mm -hmm. to be supporting that particular work ethic? You know, why why not look down the route if 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 certain aspects are going to cost you more money and, and it is then an investment for the event? Why not look at ways of making it commercially viable as well by monetizing it yeah i think there's all kinds of routes available to people and it's just remembering that um that it is highly technical and mm. and having a bit of specialist support could really help an event organizer and yeah. and looking at what cop did they used specialist support they didn't go at it alone um yeah yeah so yeah lesson learned if you can use use specialists to help you um, on your way. Um, the third takeaway for me, which is a, it's, it's a cop thing, but it's also just a, I mean, we're fortunate. We host hundreds of events a year and everybody really is wanting to make their events more sustainable to ensure their future and longevity, as I was saying. Um, and a key step that everybody can do is to design their events at the outset with sustainability in mind. I think this is a real step change, I would say pre-pandemic and even a bit before immediately pre-pandemic, organizers would, would design their event and then think, okay, how do we make this more sustainable? And they would layer something on the top. Sure. What we need to be seeing now is that sustainability um, being right at the heart of the meeting. Um, mm. Some of the ways that I can share with you that COP did that. The first is around food. Um, you know, food is up there. It's an emotive subject for everybody. Um, and as a venue, we launched a sustainable food strategy um, in 2021, so just pre-COP. Um, and COP really helped be the catalyst for us to do that. Um, and this is something that event organizers can ask their suppliers about when they're considering food and beverage for their own event. So for any event that takes place at the SEC, 80% of our food right across campus comes from Scotland, 15% comes from the UK, and only 5% comes in from overseas. And that's like wine, coffee, and chocolate. chocolate. Um, and the things that do come in from overseas, there's a zero tolerance to air freight. So everything comes in by land. Right. And um, at COP, we had climato labeling on all of the menus so you could see the carbon footprint of each dish um, right. and that again is now something that is rolled out across um all menus in our venue whether that's retail or um account catering mm. so it's giving the power to the consumer to make the sustainable choice that they want to make by giving them the information so while just now there's a lot of chat about having calories and fat and protein content on food menus I think it, it, you know, we're not very far away from seeing the carbon footprint labeling sure. appearing yeah. on menus just in the mainstream. Mm, um, 
and that there is a COP sustainability report, which anybody who's interested in reading any of this in more detail, I would recommend go to your favorite search engine and type in COP26 sustainability report and you will get, there's a summary and there's a full report and it's interesting um, what we, um, the UNFCCC were so clear about what food they wanted at their Congress. They know their delegates really well. And the, interestingly for me, the meat choices um, combined, we had forecast there would be X amount of um, meat. Um, yeah. Not so much choices on the menu, but like total food eaten at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and actually it was significantly lower than, and I haven't written these stats down on my pad and I'm really sorry that I can't quote no, them, but it was significantly lower um, in Glasgow. And I've got to wonder, is that because there was the Climato labeling? Climato is an organization who can help you with carbon footprint labeling. Is it because we had that labeling on our menus and therefore attendees were informed and able to, um, to choose a lower carbon dish? So, Food being an important component of an event, if you're an event organizer, thinking about where your food comes from, um, how sustainable is it, what is what is local, what is coming in overseas, how much, just thinking about all of that at the outset. And that's the putting sustainability at the heart of your meeting is thinking about these things at the outset. Um, for COP, when they were building um, at some of the interiors, they went with a slightly different finish. Um, so rather than adopting that typical um, event build where the structure walls are covered and decorated, which uses quite a lot of non-essential materials, they just, yep. just said no. Um, and they went for a lower spec for several areas, which reduced what was used and also um, made it more reusable yeah. further down the line. So it's that repurposing of the materials. Um, Interestingly for me, we did a tour of the build um, really early on um, just to go out and, and see what was being built. And they had solar power. Um, we have long hours of daylight in Glasgow in the summer months. And, of course, yeah. Um, yep, benefit of being a northern city. Um, and they had a lot of solar power generators. Yeah, 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 um, solar generators, yeah. Yep, for the for their build um and they had as an organizer they had prioritized energy efficiency at the outset that was something that they um discussed at procurement stage when they were mm -hmm. talking about who was going to do what and how so again it's those guiding principles and having them that being your north star that you can go back to um and interestingly because i do love a stat 46 percent of all the energy that was used on site was on-site generated renewable energy. Wow. Yeah, 46%. So, and the person who was leading the external build for the production company, he actually said, I mean, this is it for me. I never want to go back. You know, there's not a diesel generator here and I never want to be on a build with a diesel generator again. Um, yeah. So it's it's thinking about it and putting sustainability right at the heart of everything that you're doing. Um, fourth takeaway for me, which kind of goes back to what we were talking about, is engaging with like-minded organizations. Event organizers don't need to reinvent the wheel every time. A lot of this work, some of this work, has been done by other people. So it's about creating that sense of collaboration. So talking to your peers, 
ask your venue ask if you if you're in a city with a convention bureau talk to the convention bureau there is a wealth of information out there and support that you can tap into where you so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel it's not a competition we all need venues supply chain event organizers delegates everybody needs to get to a more sustainable position and we will get there quicker if we share and collaborate and yeah it's not a it's, it's, it's not a competition i think that's a key point and if i may pick up on on that a little bit um again going back to sort of you know cost implications and things like that which are key for organizers yeah uh is that a lot of people will be scared of the sustainability discussion because of the potential cost implications that it could mm -hmm. have on their event, which is understandable. But the more mm -hmm. people that engage in any type of practice, the cheaper it becomes. It's yes. economies of scale. You know, you look at, and I'm going completely on a tangent here, but you look at stuff like uh, modular LED screens, those big LED walls that you have at the mm -hmm. backs of stages and stuff like that. Really expensive, really complex when they first came along. As more people invested in them, as more production companies made them available and bought them, they become more readily accessible within the industry. The cost of actually bringing them into your event comes down. And mm -hmm. I see something like this as being no different. You know, the more people who engage with it, the more people who take a proactive approach to it, mm -hmm. then the organizations that can help you, the practices, the, the, the menu labeling, all of that sort of stuff, the more people that use organizations like that, they're obviously going to make the price and the accessibility of it better for for the wider industry so mm -hmm. i think there really is an incentive there for everybody to to participate in it and have that collective approach to it because it will ultimately make all aspects of of, of delivering a sustainable event a little bit more accessible if there is a cost implication that's my yeah. two penneth anyway no i i totally agree with you and i think you know some of the organizations that um that i'm talking about like clamato there's another one that comes to mind about the you know, when you're talking, when I was suggesting talking to like-minded people, there's a, a an organisation based in the UK that COP worked with called Event Cycle, mm -hmm. and they help you repurpose your materials from your meeting um, or from your event, whatever whatever kind of event it it, it might be. They're not a big conglomerate organisation. Um, I think they're two people who did work in the events industry and wanted to wanted to do something about all of that waste um and i there are organizations out there who exist because they want us to do better and it's not just a commercially driven um business enterprise yeah yeah, they, yeah. They, they've and entered it, into business for the for i suppose ethical reasons rather than financial gain that's a much nicer way of putting what I was trying to say. Thank you, James. It's <laughs> <laughs> like you could read my mind. Um, so, you know, there are that, that that's it. There are organizations out there that are existing for the right reasons, if you like, um, mm. and are there to help. And an event cycle definitely helped COP. They were right in, in their planning and decision-making processes. They were on site at the venue. Um, other organizers can use them or you if if you're running an event or if you're a venue um go and speak to the third sector in the city that you're in and find out who who the organizations are that could benefit from some of the materials that come out of an event and and could repurpose them event cycle will help you do that 
Um, but there's also nothing to stop you doing a little bit of that digging yourself either as an event organizer or if you're an event organizer ask your venue they're local in their city i know who they are now in glasgow um and uh, you know i know who cop used and i know of others um it's about being motivated and wanting to go and find that information so that you can have it readily available for your event organizers to help mm -hmm. them deliver a more sustainable event sure Absolutely. um and I think just the, the final takeaway for me, which is also around the collaboration, um, is to sign up to net zero carbon events. Um, for me, and this is a personal opinion, sustainable business is responsible business. Responsible business is sustainable business. We all want to be doing this in years to come. Yeah. Um, and so it's incumbent on all of us to do what we can in our sphere of influence um, to help drive this forward. And Net Zero Carbon Events is a is an opportunity. It was it was launched at COP26. It was the first time the events industry had ever had a platform at a COP summit. Um, and it, it came under the umbrella of JMEC, the Joints Meeting Industry Council, with ICA, UFI, and AIPC all involved. Um, SEC was is a founding member of the um, of the Net Zero Carbon events, um, and it it exists to do two things. One is to pull together all the different elements of the events industry into one place so whether you're a wedding planner or an international congress venue or a global pco it is to bring everybody together in the supply chain um and then secondly it's to address that tension that does exist between the events industry and climate change and um, mm -hmm. there is an inherent tension between us and so what can we do to improve the position on this if you sign up to net zero carbon events you are pledging that you will be net zero by 2050 and that you will have reduced um your carbon emissions by 50 percent mm. by 2030 um signatories to the pledge have to publish so this is the key bit it's publishing and um publishing their progress and collaborating on how they have achieved what they have achieved so that it's for the greater good um of the events industry and I heard, I, mean, I can't remember now the total number of signatories on it. There are some huge organizations in the uh, events industry who have signed it. I think if you're an event organizer, then sourcing your suppliers that have signed up to the Net Zero Carbon Events Pledge is a, is a good way of having sustainability at the heart of your event. Pick suppliers who have pledged to be Net Zero Carbon by 2050. Um, and I heard a, I was at a talk at IMEX earlier this year, and um, there was a speaker from Informa, and they yeah. said that they um, have committed that they will only choose suppliers now who have signed the pledge. Interesting. Interesting. Which is yep. for, for a, a, a brand like that to make that sort of statement, yeah. it, it is clearly, a, um, I suppose, dangling a a carrot in front of suppliers mm -hmm. who haven't signed mm -hmm. up to that which is that if they want to work with an organization of that scale this mm -hmm. is what we expect of you now 
Yeah, I think if you think about um, some of the big corporate brands that host events and meetings across the UK and internationally, they all have their own sustainability pledge. You know, the Coca-Colas, Google, Microsoft, SAP, whoever it is, they have all said, they all, they all have as an organization their own sustainability charter, if you like, um, and their own sustainability goals. They are then going to want to see that translate into their event, and therefore it's going to translate into the supply chain for mm. events because it's part of that global brand's positioning is to be more sustainable. And there's pressure on brands to be sustainable, in my opinion. Yeah, quite rightly so. Um, yeah, the, the, there is. It's, it's, it's consumer demand. It's um, it, it's driven by an awakening amongst you know the consumers uh, mm -hmm. as, to, as to how and and where their their, their products are sourced. You know, yeah. and, and and we've got you know younger generations probably thank for a lot of that who become more socially aware of that. Mm -hmm. Who are then driving for you know sure. people like like Coca Cola. You know, d d yes, they will have sustainable guidance, but we've all seen you know the, the documentaries we all know and can understand just how much plastic they must go through on a, mm -hmm. on a just a daily basis yet alone a yearly basis yeah. um and i suppose again it with brands like that it comes back to the uk particularly in the events industry always being a leader of things mm -hmm. um i think the uk we, we've said it on this podcast people have said it on other podcasts and within the events industry we have this very proud position as the uk events industry of, of very much leading the way with many many practices in this industry mm -hmm. and globally people look to how we're doing things in the uk events industry to see how they should be doing it and mm -hmm. um this is this is very much going to be the next next thing that you know globally we we can we can we can lead um i think if we get it right in the uk yeah i think there's a real opportunity for us um and i think it helps everybody sleep better at night yeah yeah whether we um, like it or not everyone is more aware of it now subconsciously yeah. or consciously people... and i think you know there were some real stories kind of coming out of cop not stories that that were in the press or widely reported but about why some of the delegates were at COP and what they were fighting for and why, if you look at the island nations and how at risk they are because of um, increasing sea levels, I mean, it, it, there's, a, there's a real juxtaposition then between somebody who is losing their home and uh, drinks reception with loads of disposable items. You know, it's like how, it, it, I think we can lead in the UK events industry. And I think we should lead from a position of humanity mm -hmm. and a position of authenticity because this really matters. There is no planet B. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. what, a, what a great quote to finish on. <laughs> We, we, we've had the we've had the corona coaster uh, at the start and, and and now we've got planet b um the five key principles as i've jotted them down just to recap dawn which i think mm -hmm. if we, well, i'll run through quickly have some guiding principles from the outset yep work with professionals design at the outset with sustainability in mind engage with like-minded organizations and sign up to the net zero carbon events they're the five takeaways from today. Got it. Absolutely. Um, it, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And as I said, that, that there is, we've, we've probably had um, 
I think four other podcast subjects spring out of this. Um, all sorts, all sorts of stuff that we talk about. But I mean, moving forward from this again, uh, going back to to the day to day of the Scottish event campus, yeah. your learnings from COP twenty six now put you in a really, I suppose, gloriously strong position as a venue, don't they? Because you have all of this this knowledge, this understanding that you developed that you can now offer to other clients. So mm-hmm. clients who are looking to work under these practices going forward with their events, you know. Uh, arguably there's no one in a better position as a venue in the UK now to to offer that sort of help and guidance um you know is, is that something that is is very much now an integral part of operations going forward at the campus is is to be able to to work with clients of any size and scale to to, to help them operate sustainably yeah absolutely um we earlier this year launched our own net zero ambition so we've pledged that we will be or committed to being a net zero campus by 2030 which is ambitious um we know what we need to do to get there um we don't quite know what all the steps are going to be but that's okay because we're working with those specialists <laughs> and we're not doing it alone um, Point number two, of, work with the professionals there you go um but one of the um kind of columns of the foundation i don't know what you want to call it it's like a cornerstone of the of our net zero 2030 strategy is around people um and you know our staff our team members are people and our clients are people and it's about helping everybody who we come into contact with to um adopt more sustainable practices so there is a whole piece of work being done internally with our team, but then also with our clients and supporting them and giving them guidance on how to deliver their event in the most sustainable way. And then we've also just, um, that's all launched and we're working with clients on that. Um, and the next step is um, for delegates because there is, you know, that you can take a host of water, but you can't make a drink. You can have all the recycling bins there, but if delegates choose to, or, you know, event attendees don't sort yeah. their rubbish out. So it's how do you, um, how do we as a venue, how do event organizers encourage more sustainable behavior from the attendees at events? And that is all coming under that people piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you know what, we don't know at all. There's still lots to learn and lots to do, um, but the I don't I don't think you need to know it all right now. I think what you need to be doing is driving forward. You need to have that ambition to be better, um, and that's what's going to pull you through some of the the more challenging steps that are going to come up. Is that need to you know, SEC exists to deliver social, economic and environmental progress into mm-hmm. Glasgow, into Scotland and, and in, into the UK. So we have a we have a duty of care to that yeah, building yeah. or those buildings, if you like, um, to ensure that they're still there for generations to come and able to do what they have done for previous generations to do them in the future. And that, you know, that's a that's a big driver for net zero 2030. 
absolutely it is um it's important that uh i know it's it would be really easy to find but i am going to put the website up for the sec uh sec.co.uk and just a reminder as well um of something that dawn mentioned earlier on in the conversation today which is that if you if you go to your search engine and search for cop 26 sustainability report um that that's accessible that that's on the internet um have a look at it download it um and have a little look through uh, that sustainable why well, i say a little look through that sustainability report it it, it will be a big doc document i've no doubt about it but um, it's well written it's really digestible mm-hmm. um there's some great content in there and some of the things that i've referenced you'll will be in there um and the other two organizations that i mentioned are climato and event cycle uk mm. Absolutely. Our, our guest today on the Event Industry News podcast is Dawn Lord, the head of international conferences at the Scottish Events Campus, talking about just, I suppose, a snippet, maybe not even scratching the surface of everything that was learned um, uh, through the hosting and the planning of COP26 um, that the venue hosted um, several months ago now. Dawn, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Um, we've gone a little bit longer than we would usually go on the podcast, but so much to get through and so much more that we could have talked about. Please do come back on in future and uh, keep us up to date with, with how things are progressing on this subject and with other things at the campus. But it's been a pleasure talking to you. Likewise. Thanks, James. Uh, and of course, if you want to find out anything else that's going on uh, in the world, in the wider world of the events industry, eventindustrynews.com is a place to go. If you are listening to this podcast today via uh, one of your podcast audio platforms, then head over to eventindustrynews.com when you've got a minute and check out some of the latest news, features, special supplements, and of course, the legendary supplier directory that is on the Event Industry News website. If you are watching this already on the video and podcast area of the Event Industry News website, Hello to you. Thanks for tuning in. And don't forget that you can get audio only versions of all of our podcasts. Just go to wherever you get your podcasts from, search for the Event Industry News podcast, hit subscribe, and you'll be able to stay up to date with uh, each and every episode uh, that goes out there, as well as going back in time over the several years now. I don't even know how long it is. It's seven, eight years now we've been doing this um, and listen to some of the uh, the very early versions of the, of the podcast and uh, the many subjects that we've covered over the years and episodes that we've done. Which brings us to the end of today's episode. Our thanks once again to Dawn from the Scottish Event Campus for joining us today. Thanks to everybody for listening and tuning into this podcast. If you want to contribute to this particular subject, just get onto your social media platforms get onto linkedin it's a hot topic in the event industry you will be able to find something within seconds that you can contribute to or learn about so everybody get involved in this subject dawn thanks again we hope to see you again soon and thanks to everybody for watching that's the end of the podcast for today we'll see you all soon Mm